0: So often I see young engineers who are completely unaware and get fixated on just one aspect of, of your total compensation. right? And I realized this out of working for younger companies on how equity is perhaps as as important if not more of, of your total compensation. So I, I look at it uh, in terms of total comp- and many engineers, even when I'm hiring, they sometimes I have to probe them. Do you understand the total package? Do you need some education? on on how this works. And some people are very informed and most of them aren't, right?
1: Welcome to Tech Careers and Money Talk. What if you could hang out with experienced tech industry executives, ask them about career growth, equity compensation, investing, financial strategies, and more. Then take an insight or two to guide your own career and lifestyle. Each week on the show, Christopher Nelson shares an in-depth look at how to navigate tech careers and hyper-growth companies, select the right companies to work for, earn equity, and build a passive income portfolio. Christopher is an author, tech exec, and principal and co-founder of Wealthward Capital. His goal is to give you the information you need to grow your career, build wealth, and make an impact. Now, here's Christopher. Welcome today to Tech Careers and Money Talk, episode number eight. Can you believe it? We're at episode number eight already. I'm your host, Christopher Nelson. I've been in the tech industry for 20 plus years, and after climbing my way to the C-suite, working for three companies that have been through IPO, and investing my way to financial independence, I'm here to share with you everything that I've learned and introduce you to others that can help you do the same thing. And today, I'm going to introduce you to somebody who can really help, because Ajit Deshpande, is one of the best negotiators for compensation in tech equity that I've ever met in my life. And I sat across the negotiating table from him. So he has worked for hyper-growth companies like VMware and Splunk, and then he also has taken public Zora and Sumo Logic. I'm excited to share with you his career story and then also his negotiation tactics. Let's get into it. I'm so excited to introduce everybody today to Ajit Desponde. Ajit is a IT leader in the Silicon Valley who has an amazing story that I actually wrote about in my book, From No to IPO, that's coming out later this year, because I don't know anybody who has leveraged a unique set of technology skills to catapult themselves into leadership the way that Ajit has. And now he's established himself. Uh, He's worked for two companies that have been through IPOs and two other amazing companies. I'm excited to introduce everybody today to Ajit Deshpande.
0: Hi, good to be here.
1: Yeah. And so, Ajit, at one point, you came to this country, you landed uh, from Mumbai to Louisiana, and that's where your journey into tech started. I want to just sort of bring that to light to everyone because I think there's a little bit of humor there, there's a little bit of fun there, and that's how your journey started. Yeah, it feels like a lifetime
0: ago. But I uh I came here in nineteen ninety-eight uh to pursue my master's degree, right? Uh was born and raised in Mumbai. And of course, like uh every young engineer wanted to look at the new US world with Silicon Valley and everything, wanted to start studying over here. And there's a funny story about uh I think I, I grew up in a big city, uh Mumbai, which is pretty crowded and all that. And i despite getting into several colleges i landed in louisiana which is uh rural america and just landed into a place which was nothing like i'd seen in movies right
1: because
0: <laughs> all you see growing up is is like high rises and uh you know new york city and everything right. i landed in marshland right so it was uh, quite a culture shock but but amazing school amazing experience great people so really had a great first two years uh doing my masters um that was the start of my journey in, in the
1: U.S. I think when you graduated, it was right in and around sort of the 9-11 times were sort of uncertain, where I know today there's a lot of, of stress and angst, especially around people that are H-1B visa holders. What was it like back then getting your start in that environment?
0: Oh yeah i think uh just like the current market conditions right the ups and downs have been through several recessions and i was right at the start of dot-com bust for those of you who are as old as me can remember (laughs) those times when when it was uh all technology growth and everything and i just graduated and come to silicon valley with a hope to kind of uh, get into the high-tech world of of, uh, computing And right at the beginning, it was, uh, of course, as an immigrant, I had to get through the immigration process and H-1B, like you said. And uh, right after that, the 9-11 incident took over America. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was impacted as well for my job after, I think, December 2000, where I had no job, a lot of college loans and um, searching for, searching for employment again, which was exponentially harder for an immigrant uh, to look through. So, yeah, quite a challenging time. I, I remember living in my car for a week. Uh, wow. So pretty much homeless in America at that point.
1: Wow. And so then what what were some of the, the things that helped you actually then get that, that first role? I mean, I, obviously, I think some people are probably experiencing some of that stuff today. What were Whether it was, you know, community, network, I mean, what really helped you then get, get that first role that you needed to, to lock it in?
0: Yeah. I mean, community, definitely. Uh, I think I made new friends. It was pretty much I didn't know a single soul in California. So just landed here with some acquaintances, an old classmate and started uh, living here. I was also trying to keep up with my technical skills and offerings, some help from my professors back in LSU and how to present myself, but really a new world of, uh, you know, how to sell myself. And a lot of learnings came through early failures, right? The every rejection that came with interviews at that point uh, in that harsh market, it kind of taught me a lot on how to, uh, how to present myself, how to present my technical skills, how to provide the value proposition uh, that I had to offer overall. So I think after a, a year of hard work, I think uh, I, I landed into Align Technology, which was, uh, I mean, they had just gone IPO, but uh, they were a manufacturing company Right. doing invisible liners. So that was I started as a software engineer and uh, then spent five years over there uh, working up through the ladder.
1: Well, so and, and so the, oh, go ahead.
0: No, I was just saying those were the humble beginnings at that point.
1: Well, it was, and I, I think like many of us, I mean, I, I myself, you know got my start. I graduated in two thousand and one and so with my undergrad degree. And so then it was going into the just this chaotic market of, to your point, spending time interviewing, And it's so hard when you are in this bit of a frantic mindset. I, at that point, I'd rented an apartment in the Bay Area and was paying rent on it. And so I was going deeper into debt every month. And so the interviews were very high stakes, but you have to have that mindset. And I learned too, that every rejection has to be a lesson learned. You have to take something away from it. And then once you finally get your foot in the door, you take that opportunity. You, you then strive to say, how am I going to set a standard? How am I going to do really well here? And I'm sure that that's what you were doing at Align Technologies is really trying to establish yourself and learn.
0: Indeed. Uh, I think overall it was, uh, it was a new area. It was a uh, new geography, no support. I grew up in a protected environment mm. growing up back home. And I think the exposure definitely, uh, hardens you like they say right what doesn't kill you actually makes you stronger that was the exact experience right um I was going through the whole process and you know living through the the tough times overall I think has taught me more than any formal education has Mm. ever did but but I think one thing that I must add over here is also keeping like you know that learning moment on for every situation right uh has often helped because While I was a techie at heart, I think I I started my journey of like getting an all-rounded view of business at that point, right? So really getting to understand the business operations, the manufacturing operations, the integration space. Overall, looking back, I feel helped me a lot as a good mindset to kind of uh, take my career forward.
1: And so when you were at a line, you know, what, what was one of the impetus to have you then start looking towards actual, you know, high-tech software manufacturing? Was that always the ultimate goal was to go to software manufacturing or was there something when you were at a line that made you think, I have to go from here to there?
0: The best thing that ever happens in younger companies, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we uh, go on, is, is the exposure technology, mm. right? And uh, if you can keep an open mind and and keep learning new things on the job and applying them towards progress in in your future self, I think those are are learnings that you get in younger companies. And uh, that's what has kept me going since Align Technology. I picked up virtualization and, uh, you know, the VMware technology, which eventually became my employer. A few days later after that right i started doing some integration work for manufacturing and that's how i landed uh, eventually at splunk with uh, with you over there right? yeah so those were all learnings on the job including the technical learnings as well as the business uh, operations learnings.
1: so now you've you've opened up this thread so was it align technologies you really started learning about integrations and was that did that something I mean, that's a unique skill that you've always had. Like you've developed like a really very laser focused expertise that I, I think really helped launch your career moving forward. Did you see that as a business opportunity or was it the technology that intrigued you more?
0: I think it was all of the above, right? Because I, I, I always uh, thought that that gave me the widest perspective of mm. things to happen, right? Um, I, I often see techies kind of get can get get cornered or get uh, into a specific niche and feel like they really have to go into that area and feel scared to kind of venture into other areas. Integration gave me that opportunity to play with so Mm. many toys, uh, new technologies, new uh, challenges, new problems, new people. So I got the widest view and I I really enjoyed that. I mean, some of the performance reviews that I got back then always uh, called out that my strength were kind of mixing or understanding or speaking to business users and technical users with equal ease, and uh, that was that was very well observed by my manager. Then I really enjoyed that. Uh, mm. I, I liked working with techies. I liked working with business operations people. I liked working with even technicians. Right. So uh, the people aspect and the technology aspect a mix of integrations really really helped me drive my career forward in that direction
1: and so then what what was the impetus that said okay now it's time to leave a line and i want to go to move i want to go move to vmware vmware
0: at that point was the place to be i, I remember back in 2008 it was the cutting edge technology of uh of that generation was virtualization mm. uh, for those of you who are on technology i know you know this you know this well but uh, the, before that, there were big boxes and data centers right. and everything. Really, uh, VMware and virtualization as a whole changed the game, much like AI is changing things now, right? So I, of course, wanted to ride that wave of the cutting-edge technology and be there in the right place at the right time. And, uh, of course, uh, I was running towards something as opposed to running away from something. A line was great, but I thought I really had to take my career towards uh, the. New company uh, in VMware, and sure enough, it was a very gratifying experience. Five years later,
1: and and was this something when you when you then looked for your new role? Were you taking these these integration skills and saying, okay, here's you know, it was applying for that particular role now in the virtualization space.
0: Uh, yes, I think it was a mix of integrations and virtualization. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I, I VMware at that point was really growing rapidly. They wanted someone to be a kind of a management development manager slash architect for uh, for that group. And I was able to I was able to kind of offer that as uh, one of my skills. And sure enough, I think I was a good fit with a lot of ups and downs that always happen in uh, in mm-hmm. the tech world. I feel like I had a great experience at uh, at VMware, just going through that whole journey of a hyper growth company at that stage.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was an amazing company to be at. You know, during that time because it was it was the company and virtualization was that revolutionary technology. Now, was it it VMware that I believe was your first management role? I actually
0: was a manager at a line for a brief period, but I decided to take one step back. I think, uh, and looking back, it was a great idea because on one side. As a young professional, I was nervous about taking the role for one reason that it was an individual contributor role. And uh, sometimes it's it's kind of important to slow down and to speed up in the long run. So I, I took a step back and mm. took an IC role. Um, and looking back, like I said, it, it, it turned out to be uh, a great thing because I think within six months I was promoted to be a manager again at VMware. And I was uh, given a chance to run a small unit to deliver value services for VMware.
1: And I think that's a really important thing to tease out because I think many of us, like we feel there's programming that says it's always up, it's always up, it's always up, where sometimes, and I've experienced the same thing in my career, that sometimes taking this step down to have more mental capacity to focus on the skills at hand to build out you know, more of your current capabilities without going into stretch mode. I think that that's undervalued, and I think that's a that's a really good point to to bring up.
0: Indeed. Um, I've seen this over and over again about, like, you know, young professionals getting caught up in titles or in <laughs> specific uh, technologies and, you know, falling in love with something that that uh, in the tech world is so, uh, you know, such a short shelf life that uh, you almost, uh, you know, typecast yourself into something. And so it's it's really important to, as important as it is to get detailed, it's also important to really be a generalist and yeah. be flexible and accepting of newer things coming into the market.
1: Yeah, that's that's really so important. And so, you know, I think that was, it was at VMware where where we met and like your team was, you know, it was honestly like it was storied. Like people were like, oh, these, this is the team that can get stuff done. And this is where, I really started watching your career was I saw you as somebody that was to your point earlier trusted by the business trusted by the technology teams to deliver results and you did it very effectively and you know like many things in technology it's not always going to be 100% perfect right but it was it was effective and so was that that whole point of taking what you learned at aligned and this whole concept of understanding this this space very well that I still to this day you don't find very many people that I think do it do integrations well or think about it was that part of your career growth strategy was let me continue to leverage this or was it something that just more happened because again you still had the passion for for what that was I, yes and I think like
0: I said I think it was primarily with uh, my interest in knowing it all, right? So mm. uh, call it all trades or anything. I think unlike any other technical area, integrations offered me a taste of everything that was out there, right? So yeah. in, the, in the interest of connecting technologies, I got to play with a lot of toys. So that was kind mm-hmm. of uh, uh, you know selfish on my part to kind of learn all these newer things. Uh, a lot of talented engineers often get caught up in something and they just don't have the opportunity to get exposed to anything right with so many things happening and i used my jobs or my career as as one of my test beds of constantly learning something that i could apply towards my future self Mm -hmm. and that's probably one of the most uh, satisfying uh, things that i've experienced in the few jobs that i've I've been at overall
1: right and then i mean with within this expertise i mean then this is what Provided you the opportunity to then leverage the VMware opportunity to to the Splunk opportunity.
0: Yeah, so Splunk, uh, we worked together. Uh, you were my manager, so I, I remember <laughs> that uh, that very well. It was it was a great team overall. I I, I must say that Splunk was probably uh, the best job that we've had. And some of us keep in touch, and and uh, we still enjoy those uh, those times. We worked hard, we played hard, and it was uh, really uh, a, you know a good opportunity to use, you know, your skills towards something that was innovative. So I still quote most of my uh, experiences from Splunk uh, on what we were able to achieve in those uh, five years over there. But yeah, I, I used my integration, but then quickly, like, you know, pivoted into different roles for, you know, supporting the Splunk cloud product. And then, you know, uh, other things regarding the CPQ and billing solutions. and. Lot of technology implementations internally for those five years, and uh, thanks to good good people like you, who I got given the opportunity to do that.
1: Well, and and I think what what I observed, and this is this to me is is again sharing this so that other people can understand is that when you operated like you did, where you you had this knowledge of this breadth of technologies and how things came together and managing that intersection. And you always had a clear command on what the business was trying to accomplish as well as the technology, which again, I see a lot of young engineers that are so, it's easy to get smitten with the tech. It's easy to fall in love with the tech and want to just be all about it. But when you also understand how the business operates and, you know, also thinking, excuse me, like a shareholder as well, you know, I saw you build so much trust with the business because you you were able to dig in to solve business solutions at the right time, and I think the Splunk Cloud product was, you know, a game changer for a lot of us where we came in there and were able to deliver something in a very short period of time. But the reason I keep trying to tease this out to people is because that was really when I s- saw your career really start to accelerate and move forward because that it was some of that building trust with business and tech teams that then got you the vote of confidence to say, okay, this guy's ready to be a director.
0: Indeed. I think, uh, that, that was for sure. I think one of the key factors, right. That, uh, you trying to be a messenger on both sides, right? Really building that trust at both ends. There seems to be a big divide in the engineering side of the world and the business yeah. side of the world at least in the in the, the markets that I've been at and uh, they often don't speak the same language so yeah. I feel like I feel like I'm the, the translator that they can trust at both ends and I can carry that message so it comes with responsibility and it it, uh, it comes with a conviction that that you need to have to be able to be trusted at both ends but I, I take pride in, in doing that and I, I enjoy doing that because I can understand the pain points of each of these groups, having worked with them slightly closely. And so I I think I'll always continue doing that. I'll I'll try to solve problems uh, both at the business end and the technical end.
1: And so then, you know, then after taking your career and you worked for, you know, two companies that had gone through an IPO, helping them scale, then you said, "Okay, now I'm going to go help some companies go through IPO. What was really the driver of that?
0: I think I learned a lot uh, in that process. I think part of uh, what I learned out of compensation was how equity was and you talk about this a lot about how equity plays an equally important role in your total compensation, as it does as as your full time salary, Uh, a younger self would always look at uh, I would generally look at and most people make the mistake of looking only at your basic salary or package and completely forget that there is this big gold mine of equity that you can potentially leverage. And I think at, of course, the the, the macroeconomic situation is an equal influencer in this, but uh, it does require some level of education on how to take advantage of the company's growth, how to be aligned with that and how to put your skills, in the growth of the company. And it makes it uh, truly a win-win situation in that case, right? Companies growing, you're making money in that process. And overall, uh, the gratification that you get out of that is, uh, is just uh, amazing overall.
1: Yeah. And so this is actually a good point. What I want to do is I want, we're going to take a small break right now. And then when we come back, I, wanted, I want to double click on this because Ajit, you know, when it comes to negotiating for to- Total Comp has been one of the, the the hardest negotiators that I've ever experienced sitting on the other side of the table with. So I want to double click into some of the ways that he analyzes companies and some of the ways that he analyzes Total Comp. So we'll be right back after this. Here we are back with Ajit Deshpande. And as I mentioned before the break, he is a Somebody who really thinks about equity as part of his total compensation. And so I want to take a step because when we're, when we're on break right there, you and I were just talking about the fact that people know, my experiences show me that people know working for equity is good. And when you get to certain levels, equity comp becomes a lot about the compensation as you and I both know, you know, having had VP roles, you know, senior director roles, et cetera, it becomes a very large part. But many people don't like, they don't have the conversation. They don't even talk about it i mean what, yeah. what what have you seen and heard i mean obviously you you know live in and around there on the streets
0: indeed i think uh, different areas have different level of uh, understanding of equity and i would say that definitely silicon valley most people are now very informed about uh, how equity works but so often i see young engineers who are completely unaware and get fixated on um, just one aspect of of your total compensation right and I realize this out of working for younger companies on how equity is perhaps as as important, if not more, of, of your total compensation. So I, I look at it uh, in terms of total compensation, and many engineers, even even when I'm hiring, they sometimes I have to probe them: Do you understand the total package? Do you need some education on on how this works? And some <laughs> people are very informed, and most of them aren't. Right? Uh, and uh, the way I look at it is is the company is really giving you a part of its share for you to be aligned with it. So now you are really working in your interest and the company's interest. It's truly a win-win situation over there. So uh, that's how I look at it. And and it definitely aligns people's mindset in the interest of the company and in interest of their own personal growth.
1: Well, and I remember distinctly when, when, uh, you know, cause I, I've been in this very similar situation where you have to educate people on equity and you don't, you don't know how much people have done. And I just remember when you and I were negotiating for salary, you came with the most precise spreadsheet and you really, you walked me through here is my total compensation package today of base bonus and equity. And you talked about what each portion was of each and which one was aligned to company and which one was aligned to what you delivered. Then you you broke down on the same spreadsheet the offer that I was providing. And the conversation that you had, and this is where, I, again, I want to have this conversation in front of people from an educational perspective is you talked a lot about company risk. You wanted to really understand You know, and and Splunk at that time had just gone public and had been able to report, you know, a, you know, certain set of data. But your main focus was what is the risk that the company is going to not grow as fast? And then it was really, uh, if I remember correctly, a lot of a lot of questions around leadership. But I want to really double click on that, because the way that you thought about that at, at my perspective, I had thought about it, but I really thought like, oh my gosh, like this guy's taking it to a whole new level. And, and where did you even learn how to do that at that point?
0: Yeah, I think overall, uh, just my, my basic education has always been in the in the technology part of it, right? As, as I was learning the business operations, maybe because of integrations, I started taking interest more around how is the company evaluated? What are these guys mm. talking about? in like their quarterly calls or what have you right uh, for a non-accounting major a non-finance major this stuff was new but very interesting right because that really kind of gave me a little bit of interest on how do i evaluate a company how what are the risks that the company's taking what's the reward of it what's the opportunity cost of joining this company versus something else because remember uh, the basic fundamental of time value of money right we are all here for a few years in our career right yes so if you are not at at the right place at the right time you're perhaps moving on a slow track and while you cannot always be on the fastest track available that's something out of control you definitely want to optimize every lever you have in your control to be there um to take advantage of what what you're getting in exchange of your time so that's what I my thought process was when I was joining Splunk how likely in my own metrics with what I know right now is -hmm. the company like to be to to kind of make uh, the company grow and my career grow right so that that was kind of the basic mindset from where I learned about it I think it was primarily through I just started kind of learning online a little bit more around valuation about companies right how does share pricing work how to read uh, financial reports so on and so forth while this might seem like uh very complex. It's actually not. It can be simplified down to very simple things. And you can go as deep as you want. And by no means I'm a valuation expert of any sort, but I, I definitely consider myself a good basic evaluator of the company's um, fundamentals, if you will.
1: Well, and, and that's, I think, an important lesson for all of us to learn is that, you know, you can go you can go grind on crazy spreadsheets, crazy data, but You know, I myself and I know, uh, you know, others that we all know have done well for themselves in selecting company and taking equity off the table by just having a basic fundamental framework and leveraging it. And then also getting more data. I mean, I think that was one of the things that uh, always stuck with me too, is that you were then saying, okay, what other data pieces can you, you know, legally provide me that I can understand to really help make my decision? Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, basic things like pre IPO or just IPO companies um, have data that they can provide just that no one asks for it. So one basic advice that I always like to give people is ask. The worst thing is people are going to say, no, that's legally I cannot provide you that. But it's always helpful to ask people about what the current internal valuation is. What Mm -hmm. uh, was the most recent quarter? How did it look like? what are your strategic goals right um, and i think with newer technologies coming in like uh, chat and everything perhaps i i was looking up something which simplifies you know reading financial reports so much that that you can totally get the gist of what they are trying to say even through their fat financial reports
1: right so, i'm really much- interested to how that that's going to work because i i know people who when they're evaluating companies they they go through um you know, the different company reports, they look at the risks, they look at, you know, a lot of different factors. And now there's going to be the ability to consolidate that data. And so this is, you know, what I would encourage, again, people getting into technology is, you know, look through the data, understand the financial fundamentals of the company, because as you said, and I, I want to really tease this out, because this is, this is a critical point is, our goal is to be shareholders, to be partners with them, so that we're then aligning what we're delivering with what the company is delivering as well. And so, yeah, what, when you're evaluating companies, what what are factors that are going to say, I want more cash versus more equity, or I want more equity versus more cash? What are what are some of the decision criteria that you use around that?
0: It really depends on the stage of the company. First of all, I would, I mean, my strategy, and I, I would. Think that most people should only be having this kind of conversation after you you know that you are getting an offer of course do all your homework <laughs> before that yeah but uh, i i do not like to bring up the money conversation any sooner than necessary yeah most companies will first evaluate you on whether your technical skills your you know business skills or operational skills are all matching once you know that you are at that stage of talking about compensation that's when you start talking this point number one uh and to your question about like you know what should be the mix right of equity versus cash versus bonus or other benefits uh it really depends on the stage of the company the Mm -hmm. younger the company the larger the risk that you are taking And hence, you deserve to be compensated more on paper, right? Yes. So if you are, of course, everyone's situation and life stage is different. People have loans and, uh, you know, family (laughs) situations, what have you. After your basic uh, cash is done, I look at cash as oxygen, right? Mm. So everyone needs oxygen, everyone. But having more oxygen doesn't necessarily give you anything more. right? Right. So that's that's basically you would want to exchange that oxygen for for water or shelter or clothing or what have you. Right. right. So so I think that's my philosophy. I do need a certain amount of cash to pay the bills, but then after that, for my long term investment, I am I'm looking at at the equity portion of it purely from mm. that perspective. Right. So that's, that's general philosophy. And to answer your question, I think the younger the company, perhaps the l- larger the risk that you're taking and hence the larger the equity should be at least for payment.
1: That's right. Well, and I think, you know, you, you, you know, and so when I think about, you know, your career, so you went on from Splunk and you worked for uh, Zora, then you worked for Sumo and helped take both of those companies through IPOs. You know, when you think about um, reflecting on the evaluation criteria for those companies? Like what are now some factors that you say, okay, I want the company valuation. What are some other things now with your experience that you say, here, here are two or three other factors that are really important to me when I evaluate companies?
0: I think, of course, uh, I'm going to talk more about like the non-financial metrics and then yeah. I'm going to talk about the the financial metrics of this question, right? So talking about the non-financial metrics, I think primarily the the product vision, the mm. leadership team uh, you know the company's culture and values definitely have to align first right yeah. without that everything else is is not useful right at least at least in my playbook. so uh, I'm not purely running for the dollar growth but I'm looking at fundamentally how is it do I really uh, want to be a part of this company so I really want to know who's running the company what are their values and what have you right? The, the company size often matters. I've seen time and again, mm. that uh, companies end up hiring very rapidly or very uh, misaligned or expensive uh, employees, right? Mm. Uh, and if that's the case, I, I want to kind of understand whether they are being financially savvy about how to utilize the funds in an early stage company.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, if, you, if you're not making use of the investor money prudently, then you're definitely ruining the company, but also you're taking my career down as well with it. Yeah. So I want to be uh, I want to be conscious of that fact when selecting companies. Now coming to the to the financial metrics of it, right? Overall, good metrics to look at is employees um, size, the revenue of the company, the growth rate of the company, yeah. uh, what their strategic plans are, and what areas they want to expand in. Uh, uh the the total addressable market where yeah. the company plays is an important factor right uh if you're trying to solve a problem where there are way too many players um perhaps you're going to get a very thin slice of the pie and if the TAM itself is not large enough then you're not going to end up making that much money as much as you romanticize uh um, <laughs> right so that that's something that uh of course it's a very subjective um you know, call on how it should be. But I think looking at the market and with experience, people should be able to guess that quickly. The the other thing that I I like to look at is in terms of what uh, your internal valuation is. For companies that are not public, this information is not available outside. Right. You have to often ask for the 409A valuation of the company uh, and companies are willing to share that in most cases. And you can do some of the calculations about what are they offering you? What is the dollar value today, mm-hmm. and over next typically over the next four years, how much equity income can this company bring to me if everything goes well? Right? Yeah. Now you can you can factor uh, an additional conservative factor of that. I like to come up with a range of myself. I'm expecting thousand dollars over so many years, or if it grows, then I think it's, it's a bonus, but I'm hoping to at least generate this much equity income over the next four years.
1: Mm. And that, I mean, we have to, we have to put a bow on this, I know, but there's a masterclass in that somewhere. And, uh, I think everybody can learn from, you know, Ajit's experience. I think he's, he's one of the best equity negotiators that, that I've come across. And so I appreciate you sharing that with us. I want to step real quick wanna add some more value to everybody right now as so let's step into the fire round to close this out. So how do you keep learning?
0: Well, I, I think uh, the important part is to carve time out of your daily routine, to invest in your own learning, right? And this can be completely different from what your day job is, and it should be somewhat different from what your day job is. I didn't know accounting, I didn't know equity compensation back in the day, I only know new programming. And uh, I, I can pride myself of learning. I think it gives you some gratification. So a disciplined approach of carving out an hour a day or something more, if you can afford that, towards learning is is very important for everyone.
1: And so we work so hard in technology, right? And, and the burnout is real. What do you do to recharge your batteries?
0: I like to travel. I, I like to uh, do outdoor activities. Uh, I like to go to the gym. I like to do something um, that's that's more fitness-related. That also helps me uh, keep my mind clear, uh, mm. keep the blood pumping, and uh, that's my way of uh, recharging.
1: So if you were going to speak to that young Ajit who went from Mumbai to LSU or, or, or get, just getting started in tech, what advice would you give your younger self today?
0: I would say uh, just that keep learning, right? I think the learning part, mm. I know I'm, I'm repeating myself often, but I think that's one thing that uh, everyone should be doing. I encourage my kids to keep learning something new uh, and develop the skills over time. And that compound interest that it pays uh, for you uh, by repeating those activities over time is is immense.
1: Well, and I think also what you said before too was make sure that we're taking those you know failures or rejections as lessons learned, right? As being able to learn from those.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So I've I've had my share of uh, failures along the way, and uh, every failure brings. Uh, Learning, right? So, whether it was uh, early in my academic life or my career as a start uh, with uh, ups and downs, I think those failures are the best teachers. I would say,
1: yeah, definitely. So, what soft skill do you think has helped your career the most?
0: People and communication, right? So, uh, generally, uh, I think I've, I've I've kind of met people who came from a completely different uh, background, culturally, learnings, career, everything, and. Uh, just striking conversation with them and um, has has taught me a lot. Um, and you know, I've, I've learned that asking for small favors from people always helps and brings them and wins them over overall. So I I, I purposely practice that of asking small favors out of people overall.
1: And then wrapping up the fire round, what's the best investment of time that you've ever made?
0: I think spending time with family, traveling, um, and uh, and learning. I think overall that that's what kind of. Uh, kind of gives me uh, a gratification overall, right? In terms of uh, being complete at the end of the day, uh, just remembering all the time i spent with my kids, with my family and, um, and, and the learnings that I've done that day, gives me good sleep at night.
1: Well, great. Well, Ajit, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out to, to share with, with all of us everything that you've learned along the way. I think you, you're a phenomenal negotiator. I'm, I'm here as a witness to say, and I think all of those points that you made, I would encourage you to dig in, rewind, listen to what he says, and, and understand that because you, you know, there truly is an opportunity to get um, a lot more value out of your salary negotiations.
0: Thanks for having me. I, I hope I was able to add some value and, uh, you know, always uh, reach out on LinkedIn. I think I'm always happy to help young people uh, who are starting off this journey or who have not been exposed and uh, share my knowledge. I, I truly believe that knowledge just expands by sharing.
1: Mm, that's great. Well, everyone, we'll we'll make sure input put his uh, LinkedIn link in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for listening to Tech Careers and Money Talk. We are a young podcast, so our ask is please follow us on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave us a a written review. We want to know what value you're getting from the podcast and tell other technology employees, employees that there is a place where we talk about career and money together, share all of our lessons learned, and that's right here. Thank you very much.